Hi there, and welcome to episode 5-0 of the Connect2 podcast. My name is Jeff Cullen. And I'm Mark Hughes. Good afternoon, Mark. How are you doing? I'm well. Excellent. It's uh, kind of cold. Yes. <laughs> Here. We live in a northern part of, well, <coughs> central part of Canada, in terms of north to south, but still pretty north. But it's pretty Comparatively north. speaking. Yeah. So. Whether northern northern the most, most major city in the country. That's right. Yeah. In the world, I thought. Uh, I thought we were higher than most of the major cities in Russia. Someone told me that at one point. It might be Norwegian one or something. Oh, it could be, yeah. So they become more... But nevertheless, cold for May. Cold for May. We don't yeah. have the Gulf Stream warming. Yeah, exactly. So... So, uh, welcome to episode 50 of episode the Episode 50 is sneaking up on our one-year anniversary. It's hard to imagine. We've been doing this for 50 weeks. We'll have to switch to season two. Season we will have season two. two. <laughs> Look at that. Um... So, um, if you're new to the channel, rate, review, and subscribe. Um, we have lots of listeners, but uh, not a huge number of subscribers, so I'm not sure exactly how that works. Uh, today, we have a coffee. It's from Victoria. Vancouver Island. Vancouver Island. And it is from a place called Bose. Mm. It is Bose Coffee Roasters. It's called Michaela. It's from Peru. Mm. Tasting notes are creme caramel, pear, and apple chips. Awesome. And, uh, yeah. It, uh, and they've got a big uh, deep dive into Peru. It exports millions of bags of delicious beans every year, while it might not be as well known as Colombia. Uh, the coffee industry is booming, thanks to an amazing... Altitude, superb varietals, and a coffee culture that runs deep. They've had coffee in Peru since the mid 1700s. Nice. And that is one nice cup. So, of coffee. where would that have come from if they if if it's not native previous to that? Who, well, it who came from the plant. Uh, came from Africa. Um, I think it's northern Africa. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, we can we can double check. But, uh, and um, today's treat is a different flavor. Of Pharaoh's Cronut. Mmm. The donut of These death. were very popular <laughs> last time we had them. And I don't see why they wouldn't be. Man, it weighs like two pounds. Just, it's quite. I think it's all butter. It's phenomenal. Very tasty. Very tasty. <clears throat> okay. <clears throat> What's your dad joke? All right. So it's early morning and okay. uh, a wife is just getting out of the shower. And her husband is crossing paths and getting into the shower, you know, so they say good morning to each other. And just as he's getting into the shower, the doorbell rings and he's about to turn around and she's like, don't worry, I got it. So she takes a towel, her hair is wet. She wraps this towel around herself, runs down and answers the door, finding their neighbor, Bob, standing at the door. So she opens the door and here she is still wet, obviously, in this towel and here's Bob. So Bob's eyes go wide, and he quickly says, I'll give you $500 if you drop the towel. So she looks around, up and down the street, and nobody she whips open the towel, shows Bob, you know, the goods. Bob hands over $500, takes off. She comes back up to the bathroom. Husband's now in the shower, and he says, who was it, honey? She says, oh, it was Bob. Oh, did he have that $500 he owed me? <laughs> <laughs> Ba -doom, 
<laughs> Mine is far more dad joke like. Uh, What's yellow and hurts when it gets in your eye? I don't know. Bulldozer. <laughs> so, uh, what'd you learn this week? What did I learn this week? Well, on a personal front, I learned that uh, watching your kid play baseball is a lot of fun. Although, when it's really, really cold and the wind is blowing, not so much fun. First game of uh, our younger son's baseball season last last night, and the wind whipped up, and man, I think it was like about minus four, and nobody was ready for it. So it was the longest two innings I've ever experienced. But uh, it's a much more but, economical sport than say hockey. Yeah, although you'd think so, but you know, baseball pants, eighty bucks. Uh, he already had a glove. Had to buy a bat. You had to buy baseball pants. Had to buy his own bat. Every kid has their own bat. So fitted bat. And by fitted, I just mean like off the rack, but right size, you know, right weight, 80 bucks. Batting helmet, 37 bucks. So it's it's not quite as expensive as hockey. Not as expensive as a goalie in hockey, but still not. not. Soccer would still be cheaper. It's Shoes, true. shorts, go. <laughs> <laughs> The other thing I learned about is uh, a planet called Proxima B, which okay. orbits our nearest star, Proxima, which is about four light years away, mm-hmm. and uh, which is a uh, smaller red dwarf than Earth. And I guess they have some serious expectations, not is maybe too strong a word, suspicions that we there may actually harbor uh, liquid water on this planet because it's in the Goldilocks zone um, of the, of that particular sun. It's about 1.1 times the size of Earth, so almost Earth size. And uh, the only thing that, that they don't know is because a red dwarf is not as hot as sun, the planet's actually quite a bit closer to its sun than earth is, you know, so the habitable zone is, is closer. And so there might be some issues with uh, like uh, radiation uh, and solar flares, but that they have found a planet that close to earth that has potentially water on it and is about the same size is uh, pretty wild. Now, I don't know how long it would take to get there, you know, obviously with the technology we have now, a long time four light years is still quite a long distance in our in our current but you know get to some uh expanse style rocketry right those continuously accelerating rockets you know, one day we could have a probe on proxima b very cool yeah so um what about you mark two things Okay. One is, well, I got this new audio recorder so we can do field recording. For, right. For whatever. But I had trouble. I couldn't figure out how to use it. And there was no explanation. And the manual basically said, you know, this is the record button. Apparently, you have to press the record button twice for it to record. <laughs> anyway. So I learned that uh, the. I guess in- they do that so people don't inadvertently turn it on and. Record yeah, things they don't want to, or but whatever. like really, like yeah. give me some instructions. Some great design there. Anyway, <laughs> uh, the second thing is um, so there's four Galileo Galilean moons, the mm. four innermost moons, well, the four large moons that would have been able to be seen in Galileo's time. 
but and one of them is the only one with known Sorry, liquid around water. which planet uh jupiter oh yes uh, one of them is the only one that is known to have liquid water like a big liquid water sea is that europa that is europa it is the second of the four galilean moons the second closest to jupiter the smallest which makes it slightly smaller than earth's moon mm. um but it, it basically has these crisscross paths that um, that basically um, uh, are relatively smooth, and it's because it's basically ice. It's ice, yeah. It's ice right. that has been uh, formed and refrozen, and uh, it also has uh, volcanic water eruptions that spit on its surface. Mm -hmm. So there is believed to be quite a thick layer of of water, which. Uh, it's quite remarkable considering how cold it is in that that part <clears throat> part of the gal of the the solar system. Yeah, anyway. I've I've heard it's our it's our it's our number one target to see if uh, especially if you're find, in Picard. Yeah, micro microbial life or single cell life deep in the ocean because mm -hmm. yeah, the oceans are warm. Well, we don't know how warm, but yeah, because of volcanic activity. So in would that uh, be a I, I really hope we discover that in our lifetime. That I hope would be so too. Pretty cool. While we're still able to launch rockets and try and do stuff that's more outward looking instead of fighting amongst ourselves. Mm -hmm. Speaking mm -hmm. of fighting amongst ourselves, mm -hmm. today's topic mm -hmm. we're going to talk about is a bit a bit about the Ukraine, um, the Ukraine, the U Ukraine experience right now, which is not an experience anybody really wants to ever, but it's really shown some really interesting side effects mm -hmm. um in particular i mean i think nato was in the process of becoming irrelevant it was was really well, irrelevant certainly less relevant less and... relevant there was definitely strong moves in the u.s yeah uh, to uh to minimize their involvement possibly pull out um mm -hmm. it seemed like unlikely that russia would do anything and um, Russia's um, Russia, I mean Russia invaded with what they're calling a special operation, and everybody else is calling war mm -hmm. on Ukraine, and uh, expected to move in and um, and do what they did in some other other um, former states of the USSR. That uh, yeah, like Crimea, they took Crimea without much resistance. Mm -hmm. A lot of uh, you know condemnation. Fist waving by the West, but and it was not eight really years, much. It was eight years ago, and mm -hmm. um, I don't think I appreciated how significant it was at the time. Um, but I mean, the invasion of Ukraine and the demonization of Ukrainians by Russian media, and it's just—it's awful. I mean, it's, this is a really country is. that was really quite close and very intertwined. There's a lot of Ukrainians that their first language was Russian. Oh yeah, absolutely. And um, they're just like they've blasted those relationships apart. Totally. And it's uh, it's pretty bad. Um, but there's some interesting things. I mean, essentially, they had a prime minister that was uh, a is, is is Zelensky president? Or He's prime president. Minister? He's president. Yeah. He's president, and he um, he did the opposite of what everybody expected him to do the americans offered to fly him out as soon as kiev was being that's right 
and uh, so that he could set up a government in exile. And uh, he said, no, he did the opposite. So he is clearly I think the he said, leader. I, I don't need a ride. I, I, need, I need I need guns. I need guns. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it, it's quite inspiring. It's mm -hmm. quite inspiring to see um, somebody who was not looking for this role, but filled it perfectly at the time. That's right. Well, he, and his background is fascinating, right? So he's he's a he's a lawyer. He's a comedian. Mm -hmm. He hosted the the Ukrainian equivalent of the Daily Show. Yeah. He won uh, Dancing with the Stars Ukraine. <laughs> I didn't know he won. Yeah, he did. Um, his wife also super impressive. She's a scientist of some sort, or or perhaps a lawyer. I mean, she's a professional woman. Yeah, I, uh, I, I like know a she's, leading. She's very impressive. Yeah, and so uh, yeah, not not no slouches, but yeah, the the resolve that he's, he's demonstrated. And he's know. just known the right thing to say at the right time. Exactly, and he's pushed buttons pretty hard. And, oh yeah. Um, well, the Ukrainians are. There's so many stories of them just basically, I don't know if you want to call it black humor, but like just sticking it in the eye of the Russians, you know, on media and whatnot. And well, that's, despite the fact that they're under siege, it's kind of like poke. <laughs> just, yeah. Know? Despite the fact it's that like, they're wow. under siege, they have done, they have definitely won the social media because basically they've been far more transparent in what's going out i mean Absolutely. there is stuff that they hold back but sure it's a little well, harder to, to figure safe. out what yeah. they're holding back yeah whereas the russians just basically you know say black is white and yeah white is black and up is down and, and it's just crazy yesterday was victory day in 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 russia yeah and did you hear about the two hacks no okay so the first hack somebody hacked their uh, the equivalent of like when you have a smart TV, you know, you get like the, the, the schedule, right? So somebody hacked into the three top cable providers and totally reprogrammed the schedule. So that it just said something along the lines of the blood, the blood of thousand Ukrainians and hundreds of children are on your hands. Putin lies to you. Stop the war. So like every show at all time slots, instead of the title of the show, that's what it said. And so that lasted for about 15 or 20 minutes before they shut it all down. And then either in co in concert with that or perhaps independently, but again, it was this big victory day, right? Uh, two journalists uh, who had worked for, I think they call it Leva. And it was one of the, it's Russia's number one sort of uh, media, kind of like the Associated Press, or, yeah, or that, yeah. but they're equivalent. These two guys are ex-journalists that work there who have now left Russia and nobody knows where they are, but I guess they still have their all of their access codes. So they hacked in, and they changed all of the headlines and and uploaded all of their own articles. Just Putin is lying to you, and and the, re the truth about Mariupol. But not just the headlines, but they actually had full articles. And again, it only lasted about maybe ten minutes before they took it down. But they had given people a heads up, like you know, telling them to yeah. take screen caps and whatnot. And I guess the the what is it called the Wayback Machine, the yeah. uh, Internet Archive managed to capture it. So, so these are two uh, counter offenses, and then these two journalists have come forward and claimed responsibility for it. Said who they were, and uh, we wrote it. 
they said we're gonna need like lawyers <laughs> and probably political asylum because we did it so are they uh, still in russia no no they 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 got out but no one knows exactly where they are of course we've seen the russians reach out and, and assassinate people like in london and you know so i'm sure these guys are taking a huge risk but yeah but again it's one of these pokes in the eye right well, uh, and there's a couple of interesting other parts to this that I think that I just uh, recently became aware yeah. of. Now, I have not not verified this from multiple sources, okay. but um, but I have seen some what seems like legitimate uh, reporting, specifically on two things. Okay, um, one is uh, apparently. On the day of the invasion in on February 24th, mm -hmm. the Russians hacked like mad all of Ukraine and have been trying to hack Ukraine like mad and shut down their satellite access. Okay. So uh, sure. sat con satellite communications, a right. whole bunch of stuff got shut down. Yep. Okay. However, um, however, uh, Elon Musk has provided um these um starlink starlink and yep. the thing about starlink apparently it's got so one of the issues with old satellite communications is that the russians would use them to target um uh, to target so if you're communicating from a regular satellite oh they could triangulate they could figure you. out where you are yeah. and they'll they'll go after you um but apparently the footprint from the Starlink is quite small because it figures out where the link is and it goes kind of direct to the, instead of broadcasting broadly, it broadcasts oh, very Oh, okay, okay, interesting. The other thing is that uh, there's an ability to, so there's an ability to communicate from point to point from Starlink to Starlink using an encrypted privacy mail. Like it bypasses oh, okay. everything and just goes through Elon's system. Right. Um, uh, but what, what they did is they found that there was these unusual aspects of how the Ukrainians were attacking the Russians. Um, like, so um, historically, the Americans had in in World War II the time between targeting uh, a target, yep. and pressing the button to launch and hit it was five minutes. But over time that has gotten longer and longer and in the states has particularly been slowed down by trying to make sure that you're not doing friendly fire so they call it the sure. the jag effect where yeah the judge general guys are there they're there and women. they're trying to prevent right making mistakes they so, got a clearance so the, the time went up with the americans <laughs> my lawyer says i can bomb you boom <laughs> to, to like an hour and then it went wow shrimp shrunk down to about 15 minutes well, that's okay. not bad to be sure you're not blowing up a school or uh a... Yeah, that sounds really good. But it is very formalized. It is very regimented. It is based upon these big systems and big technology. Yep. The Russians are even worse. Really? They were they basically they will set up their their uh their uh their missile systems in a in a phalanx and then they will shoot all at from one spot to to the location that they want to attack. So they plan it all out. It takes some time for them to get set up and ready. And then when they shoot, they shoot. Well, so like a massive barrage. Kind yeah. Of thing. So if you are seeing uh, Ukrainians being attacked by Russians, they're all coming from one place. Right. They're all the missiles. It all together. very 
20th century thinking. So apparently the Ukrainians, which are, who are very clever and very good at some internet stuff, <laughs> yeah. have this app called <laughs> no. GIS, the art of artillery. And it works <laughs> like Uber. <laughs> okay. Okay. So what it does, and it uses these Starlink communications. Sure. And it plots out the location of all the Russians, all the... Uh, so the thing they noticed with the Ukrainians was yep. the Ukrainians were attacking from all different directions and then they were gone. Right. So what they've been using is this app called, I think it's called uh, GIS, the art of the art of artillery. Yeah. And it basically goes and it figures out where all the artillery is for the Ukrainians, where all the targets are for, and it basically is kind of like an Uber, right? They basically call an Uber. I need you to go to this spot. And it knows where all the other cars are. And it says, fire at this location. And then they fire and they leave. And so what ends up happening, you get this massive barrage coming from all these different directions. Sure. And then they're mm -hmm. gone. So they're not, they're, their time to target and calling is like less than a minute. Wow. Whereas the Russians the, take for 15 minutes. And, and the Americans, I think they have it longer. down to five and it's, sure. it's longer. But still, it's so, a game of, uh, a game of seconds, right? So, wow. Yeah. That's I, I wonder what their Uber service is like. <laughs> it's probably going to get better after all of this is done. Well, the second thing is apparently the largest group of foreign legions in and again i don't have this confirmed right but i've seen seen some information to support that is from finland yeah it makes sense and what's interesting about finland and finland is distinguished because finland is very used to frequent incursions by the russians into their airspace into right. their land i mean they've been battling There's for some story about the forever. war whether that was the nazis or the russians i can't remember but but them being like oh it's the russians it was the it's russians, the russians? Yeah. yeah and the, <clears throat> the the amount of land that that is exchanged and changed hands related to finland is is changed over time okay but the thing that's interesting is um, apparently finland uh, so they have um uh what do you call it um when you when you turn 18 you have to join the military oh conscription that. it's not is it conscription it's uh i guess it's a conscription yeah but it's a <clears throat> i think service I think it's switzerland a, is still like that too so Sweden. you you work for you there for a couple of years and they're basic yeah. training but apparently <clears throat> the thing that distinguishes finland training from all the other western countries and all the and russia is one specific aspect okay all of these nato countries and russia yeah but not finland uh, are designed for combat assuming you have air superiority okay oh finland on the other hand is based upon the assumption you do not have air superiority. It's kind of like guerrilla tactic. Right, 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 right. Sure. So they have always assumed that if they were ever to get in a battle with Russia, Russia would have air superiority over Finland. That's probably pretty smart. It's a reasonable, yeah. reasonable thing. So yeah. they're all trained. And what they discovered early on is the Finnish, the Finnish legionnaires had this training that was different from everybody else and way more useful. 
in this particular kind of conflict. Yeah, and yeah. in fact, what they've also found is that with the Ukrainians, you got kind of like uh, older leaders and then right. younger leaders. Sure. The younger leaders are very nimble and very adaptable. The older right. ones are following. So apparently they had set up They're early. Probably ex-Soviet. Yeah, ex-Soviet era. Era, era, era right. tactics. So they would have this thing. They had this fairly early on. They had a, they had set up like a, a, a tent tent village where okay. they were all the all the fighters were and it was all done in rows and lined up very nice and neat and the finnish guys when they first arrived they're going like what the hell are you doing right yeah right you should be setting up in the forest not setting up on the flat that's right and uh so they actually went and dug holes stayed without tents in the forest and then the village got wiped out so by Russians. So right. they learned really quick and they're using a lot of Finnish tactics. Do what the Finns say. Do what the Finns say. <laughs> and uh, apparently like there's a few legions that are just <clears throat> Finnish it's, and they're one of the biggest cohorts that are there. Right. Um, but, um, and again, I haven't confirmed this. So, you know, it's just yeah. very interesting, I, I think. And, uh, and the, the, but the assumption, the fundamental assumption sure. that you don't have control of the air. And apparently that's a problem with the Americans. Right. That, like they always they assume. They begin to rely on air superiority. Air superiority. Sure. And, and if you don't, <clears throat> but if, so they've just taken a different approach that has changed the way they battle. So that's why there's this quick strike. They're in yeah. and out they're And that's why they're causing uh, the Russians such, uh, such conniptions. That's amazing. So anyway, I. I mean, That's cool. It, I, it reminds me of, uh, I had heard a story at a project management thing. There's a guy who does project management in history. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I attended a session, it was a few years ago, and he was talking about a Canadian guy named Lord Beaverbrook, okay. who was a friend of King Henry's, I think. Not King Henry. Lord Beaverbrook's King, quite famous. He was a friend of the, uh, quite close to the royal family at the time of the Second World War. Anyways, they, they sent him over when uh, early in the war, uh, England was getting pummeled. Um, he went over to give them a hand. And what he did, similar to your idea about alternative tactics, what they found is that the RAF didn't have the same capacity as the Luftwaffe to manufacture new planes. So every time planes would get shot down, you know, they would have, they'd be at a disadvantage, right? Mm -hmm. The Germans, because they had built up their um, factories pre-war and planned it, had much more capacity to, to, to build new planes. So what Beaverbrook, he looked at that and he went, you know what we need to do? Every time we get a, a an RAF plane shot down in friendly territory or even where we can get to it, what we need to do is go out and, and get it and bring it back. Yeah. And so they put out the word and they were paying like in France or, you know, they were paying resistance people and, and just regular folk. If you found an RAF plane, like tell us and we'll come and get it. And what they were doing is they were recycling these planes rather than build new ones. They would go get planes, bring them back in and then rebuild. So they were able to turn around almost as fast as the Germans, but with a much smaller number of planes. And then what they started doing is every time they would find a German plane shot down, they'd destroy it. Like, make sure you burn it like so that they can't reclaim it. And um, it, it made the RAF, like, be able to hold its own by reusing these old planes. 
Well, that's totally yeah. cool. And that was a Canadian. He was a Canadian guy. I think he came back and then he became big in the railway or, but, um, yeah, he was yeah. in the, in paper too. So, but just again, similar to what I think you're talking about with the fins, you know, it's, it's pulling back and looking at the situation and I guess asking the question, what can we do different? You know, given what we see here, you know, we've never reclaimed tanks in the first world war. Yeah. But that's, you know, that's the old way of looking at it. What can we do now? So fascinating stuff. Well, like, same yeah. thing with the fins, right? Yeah. Let's let's assume we don't have that that one critical that one critical thing advantage. That, that, How's oh, that going to cause us to think different? Yeah, it's oh, fascinating. It's brilliant. Yeah, it's absolutely brilliant. So more yeah. companies could learn from that. Yeah, it's kind of like uh, it, it's kind of this clear-eyed. Okay, what is your advantages? What's your disadvantages? Yeah, it's it, it's definitely considering what your disadvantages yeah. are and what is the actual market. Yeah, and then uh, it's like a major SWOT analysis, right? Yeah, but but a very um, realistic and kind of uh, one honest one. An honest one. I think that's yeah. fundamentally the thing, right? And you're not assuming anything, right? You're kind of uh, or kind of hoping for hoping. Oh well, oh, maybe I our, wish maybe our air force will stand its own. Yeah, it's ten times it smaller than theirs. Let's just be realistic. Right? Exactly. Yeah, interesting. So anyway, cool. Well, uh, you know, to to uh, let's raise our glass to the people of Ukraine and yeah, let's, uh, uh, see how that all turns out. And uh, my God, I think now apparently good news. They were worried that Putin would declare officially declare war on Ukraine uh, yesterday at Victory Day. And I, he didn't. Yeah, we're recording on May 10th. Yeah. And. and uh, they say that that may be indicative of the fact that he's finally actually getting real. Cause I guess he sent his top inner circle guy to Ukraine and maybe they're saying he's finally getting actual accurate intelligence from a guy who's not afraid to tell him the truth. And that may be changing his view on things. Cause up till now they've been like, we're winning. <laughs> no, no, you're not. <laughs> well, and the interesting thing is apparently part of the problem with uh, the way the Russian forces are organized, they're in these battalion groups and uh, they've actually deployed a whole bunch of conscripts, which they normally don't do right. for actual, they want the enlisted, not the conscripts. That's true. And um, uh, certainly for, for battle. But the other problem that they have is they basically have no equivalent of middle management. Mm -hmm. So, um, one of the things that American and, or best West Western style battle, uh, techniques is basically making small little groups that have enough information that they can make their own decisions. Right. So if they lose their commander, they can still proceed. Sure. Whereas the Russians, it's very hierarchical. Right. They basically have, uh, carved out all of the middle management. So there's basically just the warriors and the generals. Oh, interesting. So what happens is if you lose a general, your guys have no idea what they're Absolutely. supposed to do. So I what ends why up? Why they would have done that? Because I mean, they used to have you know colonels and majors. It has to do with corruption sure. and uh, hollowing out of the Russian army for right for nefarious. Who's more dangerous to a general than a colonel? Maybe. Right? Yeah. I will destroy these people. So the, and uh, so, yeah. And I, I guess this, ha, this again, this, similar to business where you see companies that owners, and I know, you know, I'm plugging my shtick here a bit, but 
who have that kind of same thinking, right? It's the, the owner and then there's this huge gap between them and the people that are doing the, the doing. The and then it's like, well, okay. If the, if the boss is, well, the boss can't leave. Boss goes away on vacation. Nobody does anything. Cause they're like, I don't know what to do. Exactly. Uh, so yeah. Well, this yeah. is so this Nothing is new under the sun. And apparently, this uh, going full circle, this GIS, the art for artillery app or whatever, oh, yeah. art of artillery, um, it is very good at finding the generals. Right. So it targets the generals because they have to go to the front lines now that sure. they wouldn't normally do. Right. And they have to say, "Go here, do this, <sighs> Yuri." And, uh, and, uh, and they're targeted of by course. this super quick, uh, wow. and, uh, this is why they've had so many casualties, uh, for two reasons. One is they have to be there. They have to be there. Absolutely. And the second is they're this quick, quick turnaround for finding, finding the, using this app. So anyway, uh, I think that's fascinating. So, it is fascinating. So, um, that's it for our controversial Ukrainian thing. I yep. mean, I, I do think. The thing that I think is hopeful is if the Ukrainians can actually pull off what seems impossible, right? Right. To uh, uh, they will really, they're really uh, helping democracy around the planet, not just oh, totally, not just Absolutely. for them. And well, uh, and this seems to have reinvigorated NATO. Yeah, there's talk now about Europe, um, which was kind of on. The decline is not really. I guess. I guess the expectation up until now had been, uh, like a real uh, a duopoly, right? Yeah. China and America, and now people are saying, well, it could become like a a, a triangle, right? Europe is reasserting itself, mm -hmm. and it could be, especially if depending on how this plays out, you know, uh, bring uh, Finland and what's the other country that asked for NATO? Uh, Sweden. Sweden, yeah, who've always been neutral. Because they, have, like, they also have a border with Hello, Russia. NATO, right? Yeah. So it's it's reinvigorating. So we could have a, a, a three-way kind of power struggle, which I think would probably be a better thing. I right? think it's a better thing. Particularly the way the Americans are going. So, mm. They are swinging weird. Oh, man. It's... It's really weird. There's some really crazy stuff going on. Right. There's this, uh, and it's this stuff where, anyway, the, the thing well, with. This year, now it's coming out that Trump wanted to bomb Mexico uh, to try and take out the cartels. So he was asking, this was near the end of his presidency because it wasn't, uh, Mark Esper was the chief of, was he chief of staff? No, he was chief that of was defense. Mark Meadows. Yeah, he was the chief of defense. And Trump was asking him if they could bomb Mexico covertly, and and he thought, well, nobody will, nobody needs to know that we did it. <laughs> and again, it's like, what? What? Yeah, exactly. Don't live it, in 1940, well, man. Well, apparently, he wanted to pull With all of secret his secret bombs, pull all of his embassies out of Africa. Why? Because he's a racist. <laughs> Well, like, 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 I don't know. You know who would have been pretty happy. You know who would have thought that was a great idea? Of course, would have been China because okay. they've been so investing in Africa, mm -hmm. right? Building infrastructure and 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 like nation building, uh, which again is is brilliant, right? Part of the Silk Road Initiative. So, for the Americans to pull all their embassies, kind of as a self own. I mean, I don't think the Chinese could have been any happier. 
Yeah, well, <laughs> like, okay, you go, Joe. So for for the unbelievable uh, for the podcast from last week, I posted on our Facebook page yeah. all this information about uh, how many nuclear weapons, right, right, uh, sure, as well as um, yep. I also included some travel photos or some travel photos nice. from our trip. Um, oh, of our trip? Yeah. Oh, cool. Uh, there's also... Uh, you should probably check it, out our Facebook It's a pretty remarkable how many... Well, it would have come out at like six in the morning today. And um, the uh, the other thing is how, um, uh, how big the economy of China is. Like, it is by far the second biggest. Like, it, there's... The U.S. is the biggest. Yes. Um, China is the second biggest economy. And then... Is like everybody else. Yeah, like it's that's it's, right. And how much the Americans spend on their military and it is equivalent to like if they invested that even, a fraction even of a that fraction in of science that. and technology, all the things that they used to invest in, right? Space exploration. Oh, it's just they it's, would be. It's astonishing. You know, right back on top. Well, that's what I've heard, and like like I've I've known. Well, your wife's been to China. I've known other people who who've been. And they say, you know, like you can't get your head around like just the size of the like the development. Now, of course, their their political system, which is weird, right? It's sort of it's still dictatorial, but they allow some private ownership and they, they seem to be trying to figure out the balance between the capitalism that allows for innovation it's and makes capitalism people, in an authoritarian yeah, and yet regime. maintain control. But you hear that. Like just the scale of things is mind blowing. Yeah. You know? Like the number of cities that are, you know, million people plus cities. Like it's is just like, it's, and a lot of them are kind of they've been built and they they were criticized. Oh, they're empty. Nobody lives there. But I don't think they think the way we do. Right. No. It's like so what we built these cities. They'll be there. You know, in ten years, fifteen years, when we need them, mm-hmm. exactly. <laughs> you know, we'll have them. So yeah, amazing. All right. Media. media. What media have you consumed? Uh, well, I wrapped up Moon Knight. So we did some wrapping up this week. We wrapped up Moon Knight, which I thought was excellent. I thought it was really good. And what's uh, really interesting, I think, about Moon Knight is I've seen comments from people who are struggling with uh, DID, which is uh, uh, Dissociated Identity Disorder. Yes. And they really like, they really like uh, the way it's portrayed in Moonlight. Night oh yeah, because it's uh, kind of both of their personalities enjoyed it, or just one in some cases. Well, oh, that was insensitive. That was, that was harsh. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. The um, I but, took it too far. Versus something like Split. Um, have you ever seen Split? Split is uh, no, but I mean it goes back to uh, what is it that movie? The uh, Unbreakable the, or the Many Faces of Eve. It's always been treated as sort of a. a well, like a lot of mental health, kind of like a like a plot device almost. Yes. Like, almost like a, not a kitschy thing, but kind of, right? Yeah. Yeah. And um, so uh, anyway, so th- that was kind of interesting. Yeah. So and it was treated it was respectfully treated well. and, and, and act, you know, realistically. I do like how they dealt with Layla. And Oscar Isaacs. Holy man, what a performance. Right? It was pretty amazing. Yeah. His ability to kind of switch and move yeah. around. And even when he's acting with himself in the same scene i know like, right you forget that this is done in the split screen or with a stand-in but just like i think a stand-in and they replace the head but still 
seamlessly. It's pretty amazing. No, it's pretty good. I love the uh, the hippopotamus goddess. She was hilarious. Well, and you know, it really kind of... Uh, so, right around Christmas, I think, um, Oscar Isaac was on the Jimmy Fallon show. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon. Yeah. And uh, he was singing on a guitar, and it was this thing. like like It sounded like he was just doing this kids song okay you know it was hippopotamus, hippopotamus. <laughs> and uh it has a lot more meaning now of than course. when you watch the yeah. whole uh it was pretty pretty slick. so apparently they're not doing a season two but they could they could and uh likely he'll the character will show up again somewhere in the mcu well i think uh, they've left that sons open, of midnight so. or or whatever yeah um so that was good. Watched the last Picard, which a lot of people are, you know, I can't get over how many people just want to get on social media and just and these these fan sites mm-hmm. and just complain about stuff. The host didn't look the same as it did, you know, in TNG. Okay, so you know, use your imagination. It's a TV show. Yeah, right? exactly. Uh, well, they call that fan you know, service. There's, it, a, there's yeah. a, the fan service is when you put things, and apparently Marvel is particularly good. They are pretty where good. You, where you put things in, like Easter eggs on purpose sure. the, to, for the fans to be able to just eat oh. it up. Well, and Star right. Trek does do a lot of that. Absolutely. They try. Yeah. But at the end of the day, you know, I remember going to see plays where, you know, it's a chair and a table and... That's it. Good actors are able to sort of create the whole environment. So the fact that it's not exactly the same house, was it 30 years after the original series? Yeah. You know, come on, man. Yeah. And even people are like, it would look more Spanish than French. Like, what are you? What are you, Architectural Digest? Get out of here. Exactly. Uh, but I enjoyed it. I enjoyed that whole, have you seen it? I have seen it. Yeah, the whole um, interaction with Q. Although my Paulette, my wife, had the funniest line because you know basically the message from Q the whole thing was you can't love anybody else really until you love yourself right which is exactly what RuPaul says all the time right <laughs> so she's like so basically Q is just RuPaul exactly. <laughs> like oh my god that's true well you know, you know i really how are you gonna love somebody else if you can't love yourself q is a really annoying Snap. character in <laughs> annoying character in the tng universe right um because of this omnipotent ability to just do whatever he wanted sure. to do and yeah. uh so i actually think that although the, they did play with him a bit like they made him human yeah, and, for and a bit. A little a bit. And then I think he was already dying at one point. Or yeah. there was another Q that wanted to like they tried to make the character a bit more well, fleshed out. And but I, he was annoying. And I think I, it was his point. And I do think Mon that Capitan. Mon Capitan. He did a great job. And I have to I have to say that I thought it it wound up better than it looked like it was going to. It looked like a bit of a train wreck. Now, yeah, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. The other thing is the difference between... So I heard this interesting analogy that basically um, series, these six-episode series from MC, MCU, yep. they're like six, um, a six-part movie. Right. So like a six-hour movie in, in six parts. Sure. And... Um, 
whereas like Picard is struggling between deciding if it's episodic or it's a serial. Right. So, and where you see this is, is that in each episode of say Moon Knight, yep. um, sometimes it starts right where it left off. Exactly. And then it goes and sometimes it leaves you hanging and you're going like, well, what the heck is it's, going yes, on next? That's right. right. And whereas, so and once you, you want more. Yep. But you're having a hard time making heads or tails of what you just saw. Yep. Absolutely. Whereas Picard, uh, now it was 10 episodes. Yep. Um, they have the problem to solve. Exactly. And some of them they could solve in an hour. And, but it but you can't. You results gotta. in these little spinoffs or these unnecessary paths. Right. Like, like why did they don't Rios, really go anywhere? Why did Rios get captured and then put in a, a ice truck yeah like a, in a bus and true because he'd already he'd already met teresa yeah so there it, was nothing so really if, if there was just to establish this relationship with teresa they could have done something else without getting him captured exactly. and that's right and forcing uh yeah so it was yeah there was a lot of a even lot of these... uh sung's daughter that whole side thing you know so they had a payoff they had in a case payoff. people haven't seen it yet i won't say so there was a payoff to that, but yeah. still, it was like you could take that whole thread out, and uh, well, and the return of a character that nobody has seen yeah. in the in the TNG yeah. universe for decades. That's right, and uh, now but not got a, got a great story. So fun, fan service, but not really germane to the to the main plot no. kind of thing. So no, I understand. Well, speaking of episodic, I watched the first uh, the pilot episode of strange new worlds i have not seen it yet. and i i watched it twice already and i love it oh that's awesome yeah well they, I, uh, I, i'm hopefully gonna watch when they it brought tonight. those guys back in season two discovery mm -hmm. um you know people got excited because the, the chemistry was there and even though ethan peck was somewhat awkward as spock like he's really up to his spock game okay um but he's not doing nimoy like he's he's i think he's hit he's the right note own, where he's over. captured the essence of it, mm -hmm. and it's at a different time. You yeah, know, it's not the Spock. It's ten years it's a before. younger Spock. Um, but the cast, and I, I found that you know, because some of the Star Trek pilots have been pretty rough, right? Mm -hmm. When it takes a long time. Now I don't because these characters are already established in canon, but it just seemed like they hit the ground running. There's some interesting new characters. There's some old, like the Doctor is the is the African doctor from the original uh series that was kind of in a few episodes yeah, it was yeah. sort of like the uh, mccoy's backup you know dr mbenga he's yeah. the chief medical officer uh they've done some really fun stuff with nurse chapel uh, a lot more personality uhura's in it yeah uh, as a as a young cadet and I, and it's a and it's a contained story so what they've they said they're going to do is yeah there's going to be kind of a little bit of a not even a story arc, but maybe more of a character arc. Okay. You know, as we get to know the characters more. Yeah, yeah. Um, but every episode is going to be a standalone. So it's episodic. Yep, just like the old show. And the first one was like that. It, it, if they never did another one, nothing's unresolved. It's it's complete. And you're just like, cool. So it, cool. it's really good. It's really fun. Well, I saw Doctor Strange. Ah, I haven't seen it yet. So the only thing I will tell you I'm without that will not week will not spoil anything. In fact, if anything, it will do the opposite. Okay. If you have been 
watching the trailers or uh-huh. any of the preview or the fan theories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I hear can, they've been. They're all wrong. They're all wrong. Yeah. Like it's an incredible. Like they've done a cre- incredible job of misdirection. Yeah. I'm going to try to see it this week. Uh, my wife's too busy. It is she's really loaded up with stuff, but she's given me, she said, I, I said, I, so I just asked if I go see it, you know, will you be, cause I know she wants to see it. Yeah. You know, you're going to be like bent. She's like, no, you can go see it. So I'm like, woohoo. I just got to figure out when it's really good. It's worth it. Yeah. It is. Um, yeah, it was. Cause remember I said the venom venom was, uh, I keep going back to venom because I was just so disappointed. It was just such yeah, a, it kind of fell flat so, type thing. Eh, right. Yeah. This is definitely, I mean, it's not, I would not say it's the best of the, uh, of the MCU, but it's, it's good. And okay. it's a uh, good character development. It's interesting. Has you engaged the whole time. Nice. Um, the other thing I learned this week is uh, don't drink a large pop when you start going into a movie. <laughs> How long is it? It's just over two hours. But when you okay. add trailers, because now sure. the trailers are quite long that's right um yeah it's it's getting there and uh and you know i'm usually a little smarter and i don't have a big drink <laughs> but I, of, uh, I well there, there's a good lesson for you kids oh, <laughs> now uh, one of my son's friends dad is a film uh professor at the u of a mm-hmm. but uh so i don't know him very well but we we always chat movies you know when i'm and and it's kind of cool because he's definitely like a big MCU fan. Oh, yeah. So he's an academic, but he's not all like, oh, it's not, uh, <laughs> you know, it's not real cinema. And he said it's, he likened it more to a Sam Raimi horror film than uh, a pure MCU. But but that's what I love about the MCU because every director Brings that they bring own. on, they're like, kind of do your thing, right? Like, like uh, Thor Love and Thunder is going to look like, similar to Ragnarok, you know, it's light, it's humorous. It takes that character and I wouldn't go so far as silly, but it, it, it builds on those notes. Exactly. Right? Well, it's just got this, uh, this flippantness. Yeah. And, uh, with, uh, with, uh, so Sam Raimi directed it and there are certain trademark aspects of right. it. Um, and uh, again, I'm not giving anything away, but no. there are two end credits. So stick, oh, around, stick for around for both. both. Right. Um, we watched the first one and then we're going, oh, that's it. And everybody started leaving and I'm going, just a second. And I looked it up and it said two. So did you tell everybody, you tell the whole crowd, hey, people, wait, there's another scene. There was not really anybody left. Oh, dear. See, so because be it, it really is at the very very end of the yeah. the crap. I never so, leave Marvel movies until the lights come up and they start picking the stuff off the floor because I know there's going to be something at the end. Well, it's kind of funny well, because be. they've really made you stick around to watch the credits, yeah. even if you don't read them. That's you're right. sticking around, which which is not really happening in other, other movies. And then yeah. that Moon Knight episode also had that in right, credits. but only the last episode. Only the last That's episode. Right. So. so yeah. Um, well, and, I'm glad. I'm glad that it's that that it's good because I'm looking forward to it. Well, and the other thing, so this weekend we did two things. Well, we're running a little long, but uh, yeah, well, we'll wrap we're it up running. The, so I went and saw an Icelandic band that played at um, the Expo Center. Um, so first live music in two years for nice. me. Uh, there, the band is called Kaleo. which is interesting because I go, oh, I must. I thought that was the name of the guy. It is uh it it is a, a word that means voice. Ah yes. In Hawaiian. Oh. Interesting. <laughs> They're an Icelandic band. 
these guys were childhood friends that played together. They're incredible musicians. The songs are really engaging. They're very kind of edgy. The guy looks like a skinny Conor McDavid. Oh, really? Yeah. Like, it really does look like Conor McDavid, except interesting, skinnier and a little funkier. Does he seem more comfortable with himself than, than yes. Conor? Yes. <laughs> ah, the guy looks so awkward all the time. And he, uh, yeah. It's, Sorry. It's, Sorry, it's, we haven't won a Stanley Cup yet. No. <laughs> this game tonight. Hopefully, uh, next week, there'll still be games. But, uh, they're in game five tonight. So Yeah, well, That's, let's hope. It, they, it's these games, the the playoffs are tough. Yeah, I've given up all hope. I just, I just say, well, I saw call a, me when you have the. And cup. I saw John Cleese. Yes, we were An talking exceptional about that nice earlier. Of, of silliness. Yeah. Eighty-two years old. Eighty-two years old. So the interesting wow. thing is, I went to Kaleo, which was, I mean, these guys are in their thirties, sure. so you know the fans were, you know. 20s 30s yep. and you know some younger and i would say there might have been you know 15 percent people wearing masks so we wore masks but um but there was certainly a lot of people that were not wearing sure. masks yep and uh um and the, the but but we go to this one with uh with john cleese so it's an older crowd and right. it was at the windspear and it was probably about forty percent wearing masks. Okay. So there was quite a few more. There's still lots but of people. But still not masks. as much as you'd think. Well, you know, it's it's when, funny. I mean, the government for the older folks. And it's it's shocking the amount of people that have passed away from COVID. Yes. This year is the same as last year, and it's only we're only five months in. I know, but it's become hidden secret. We don't talk about it. We don't track it. No, we don't exactly. we pretend it doesn't exist. Yeah. And uh, they just recently had a study come out regarding Omicron and Omicron is not milder than any of the other variants. Right. Well, now there's a couple of new variants. Yeah, there's, there's some the variants. Too, there's right? BA1 and BA2, yeah. which is, I think I got one of those two. Um, so I'm, I'm, temporarily safe from that right variant, see our I'm stuff's not, waning now and, i'm not uh, safe from anything yeah. else so uh so i keep asking our pharmacist so i just had my my victor just got his third booster, third booster. Yeah, alex uh, can't get his because and, you have to wait three months from covid right and then isaac is still too young but we'll get him his and i keep saying when are we gonna do the fourth shot and they're like eh, are you mm. 70 you have to be 70 you know right it's tough so so and uh, yeah, next week I'm going to Newfoundland. I'm so here who knows 16 what... years from now, I can get my second shot. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or fourth shot. Exactly. What variant are we on now? No. Xenophone. <laughs> wow. Exactly. <laughs> anyway, that's it for this week. All right. What are we going to talk about for number 51? That is a good question. I was yeah. thinking we'd talk about age. Age? Speak up, Sonny. I can't hear you. Exactly. <laughs> Excellent. Okay. Yeah, sounds like a good one. Okay. All right. We'll talk to you later. Sounds good. Bye.